0: Well, welcome to Tea Time Spiritual Conversations for, with, and about women. I'm your host, Tawana Henderson, and I want to remind you to like this podcast and share it with your family and your friends. Well, I'm excited about today's guest. Our guest is Kathy Ferguson-Linton. Kathy serves as the Director of Spouse Development at the North American Mission Board, where she administrates a system of care, support, and training for church planting wives. She is married to Ed Linton, who is pastor of Redemption Church, and they live in Mobile, Alabama and have three children and eight grandchildren. Kathy, it's a pleasure meeting you. Welcome to Tea Time.
1: It's great to be here, Twan. I've been looking forward to this.
0: Absolutely. So have I. Well, I want to really jump right in. I want to start... uh, by really talking about your journey as a pastor's wife, um, because you have a very unique story being that this is your second time being a pastor's wife. Can not talk, talk to us about that?
1: Sure. Uh, I grew up in Missouri and, uh, I met my first husband, Rick Ferguson at youth camp. A lot of youth camp romances kind of turn out, <laughs> so I was one of those, but, yeah. uh, he had felt a call to ministry when he was 17 years old. We got married at 19 and 20 because we were really ready for marriage at that stage. But anyway, uh, we um, he finished college and seminary and all the things. He served in churches in Missouri. And then in 1991, we moved to Denver, Colorado, and he became the pastor of Riverside Baptist Church there right in the heart of the city. And uh, it was such a glorious season of ministry for us. And God did some amazing things during that time frame in our life, but He was unexpectedly uh, taken very young in a car accident that our family had leaving Denver, going back to Missouri in the summer of 2002. And so my life just went on a trajectory that I could not have imagined. And it was a really hard time. It was a hard time for us to the stunning shock of his death at 45. And my kids were 16 and 18 and 22 the day that Rick was killed. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll say this because there will be some listeners in the city of Denver that that city really rallied around our family and very profoundly and uh, uh, the body of Christ and just and including the community of Denver were really good for us and good to us um, I lived alone for seven years I went on staff at a church in our denomination in Arkansas and then seven years later I remarried another Southern Baptist pastor who had lost his spouse in a car accident and then wow. I moved to Mobile and moved to the Deep South never lived down here and so that is really the trajectory of my life, how I got here today. And I started working at the North American Mission Board about 10 years ago in my role with them.
0: Um, now, that's, that's an amazing story. Um, and I want to just ask you this because, um, you know, we go through life challenges like that. You know, it's always difficult to know how to navigate um, through those things. Just talk to us a second just about the grace of God. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, there are things that really try our faith in unique ways, and we're all staring down something out there that's going to come along. And what I would say that things that I easily believed in the light got a little harder to see in the dark. And that really kind of made my faith, and the Bible talks about our faith becoming more precious than gold under pressure. Uh, and I think as spiritual leaders, we need to be honest about that. When people would ask me in Denver in those early months, like, how are you doing? And I found this kind of good pastor's wife answer, but honest, like I'm kind of hanging on by my fingernails. Yeah. I didn't want to portray that this was by any means an easy journey. It was a yeah. tough journey,
0: yeah. but the
1: reality of Christ in the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, became sweeter and more precious and um in in our trials and our difficulty the reality of Christ can move closer to to our daily experience with him and i found that to be true
0: yeah and i think i think that is so important to for uh, others to hear and uh because we all go through various things and as leaders i think sometimes people think that leaders don't go through go through things mm-hmm. either but we go through things and um, and and we have to navigate through those things just like everybody else. And so, you know, I like how you said that the things that you knew in the light were kind of hard to some kind of way to know in the dark. Um, and and that's that's just that's very real. That's very real. You
1: know, I, I took a job downtown Denver about a year after Rick died in a corporate setting, and and I had a degree to teach. I had taught school in Jefferson County Schools, but. I took this job and I worked there for two years in this very secular space. And when I left the exit interview, the man was a, the corporate governance person and have an exit interview. And he said at the end of it, he said, you know, Kathy, I have found you to be a very believable person of faith. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I really realized as a pastor's wife, I had never thought my faith wasn't believable, mm-hmm. but Being in that secular space and understanding suffering in our life can make our faith more believable, not just to us, but to people around us.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's one of those things that helps us to be the salt into light and the light that we're called to be. Um, I want to move on because there's so much I want to talk to you about, um, and we really could stay there for a while. But um, I know you serve as Director of Spouse Development at the North American Mission Board. Tell us what the North American Mission Board is and what your role um, entails.
1: Yeah we are part of the southern baptist convention and we have two mission entities one is for international missions and north america would include canada and united states and part of what we do is to plant churches in very underserved areas many most of southern baptists live in the southeast part of the united states and many of our churches are consolidated there and so our goal is to plant churches in places where they desperately need churches in the Northeast and the, in the West and all of Canada. And so we are going into cities like San Francisco and Chicago and LA Mm -hmm. and Phoenix and Denver, uh, Mm -hmm. where there is a need for churches and planting churches very intentionally there. And we provide them a support system along the way. And they're in a five year care window with us at NAM and we help, um, provide community for them, training and coaching. And I do that on the spouse side.
0: Okay. Um, and I know that it's so important uh, to have that support for um, uh, spouses. Um, yeah. and, you know, people just don't all, often realize just the pressures um, that come with their, um, with that role. Um, are there consistent features seen in being healthy, healthy ministry wives, Um, And if so, what are they?
1: Well, we we wrote a little ebook uh, for our women and we really identified five things. And and the first one is that they would have a transforming faith. And we chose every word carefully, Mm -hmm. that they would have a faith that's really bringing life change to them. And it would be authentic and its roots would be going down deep into the, the truth of the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ. The other thing is that they would be authentically connected, that they would have relational connections with other people that were real. Now, not everybody's a raging extrovert. We're not asking, but there needs to be a level of authenticity with people and and with the church itself, that there would be something authentic there. Also because of what we're doing with planting that they would engage lostness. That would be a marker of a healthy wife that mm-hmm. she has the capacity. Now we, we mean that in a really broad term that we have a lifestyle of connection with people around us. The other thing, and we talk about this a lot in our in uh, spouse development is that she is having growing emotional health. Mm. Our spiritual health, affects our emotional health. And those two things are closely connected. They're not separate. And so the deeper my roots go down in Christ, the more secure I am. And that promotes this emotional health. And the last one is that she would be gracefully resilient. And we use that word grace as really indicating that this comes from the power of God. We're not looking for just strong, tough women there can be a toughness that comes to us that's not really uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. But ministry requires a lot of resiliency and church planting even more. There's so many highs and lows. There's so many times that they're without the things they need. And that resilience and the capacity to be resilient. So I know it's kind of a lot of words, but those things really do suggest health for us. And everybody kind of can plug into those things in their own way. But as long as some of those features are in their life, we feel like they're on their way to health.
0: OK, so I'm assuming there's some type of training that kind of helps them to to get on that right path, because a lot of times, you know, women come into that role as a as a um, ministry spouse and, you know, there's no playbook for it. <laughs> you That's know, right. no, no, nobody tells you how to do it. You just you're just there.
1: Yeah, no. And that's what my team does. We have trained people across the country and we help train them around these topics. Now our topics that we give them don't include all that word, all those words, Mm -hmm. but we're trying to build that into them. But I think any pastor's wife along the way uh, needs to look for pieces of these healthy markers in her life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All of us actually need yeah. to, you know, over the last eighteen months or so, the the local church has has encountered a lot of issues that have created um, a great deal of pressure for uh, and on leadership. What are some of the issues that you've seen that have surfaced that has created this pressure?
1: Yeah. Well, I think unfortunately, we've taken up some of the atmosphere of the political world around us that have been around us in the last five or six years. And when these difficulties have come in our communities, evolving around COVID uh, closures, wearing masks, not wearing masks, is that some of the responses, it's like we were in this culture of outrage that we've seen around us, but that's kind of crept into the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, there didn't seem to be in some people the ability to have an opinion about something without taking it to the outrage level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've seen a lot of people leave churches Stop going to church over a decision about mask or no mask, or when churches started back, when churches didn't start back, how they opened up their church. There was just a lot of opinions about this that people took to a level toward outrage that has not been healthy, not been healthy at all. And, um, then we, you know, we have what you call nominal Christians that, you know, attend our churches every six or eight or seven or 10 weeks, maybe. They're there five or six times a year. Honestly, some of them just, they never came back. You know, it it they came to church when it was convenient, but once it was gone, it wasn't that important to us. And then they just stepped aside. And so I I think of the pastors that we're married to and Mm -hmm. watching them do their best to make decisions based on their local setting and what's happening here with COVID and coming under constant attack for that with some ways that, unfortunately, social media gives a lot of platform where there can be a lot of yeah, yeah and going on. And it's been hurtful for churches and our husbands can't control all that. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 And um, it does speak to, to to the health, the health of our churches and totally. you know and and really walking in um Christ likeness. Um and even um the the pressures that we've seen over the the, the you know more uh, visible over the past 18 months with um racial divides.
1: Yes. Yes. No, absolutely. And you know that also is a topic that um you know, can breed a lot of place for division along the way and a lot of misunderstanding. Um, Mm -hmm. when we were in Denver, there were two big initiatives that Rick led at Riverside and one was racial reconciliation and the other was church planting. And so, um, and so I watched it there in a city that's really not in the deep South and saw some of the opposition there in that city. But now that I live here, Uh, it has a different history. And so it's, some of it is very similar, but um, there are people that I listened to a podcast this morning, and this is about loving your neighbor, (laughs) racial reconciliation at its heart Mm -hmm. is that loving your neighbor as yourself. And when I love the people around me and I want to understand their experience in this country and their history of their experience from their race in this country. Mm -hmm. I would love them as I love myself and lean in to understand their unique struggle and honor their story.
0: Yeah. I think the challenge uh, many times is um, recognizing or identifying or um, resonating with who my neighbor is.
1: (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 and, and and bearing their burden i mean it's when i honor anybody's story i'm mm-hmm. bearing their burden burden i'm i'm empathetic which means i'm i want to learn how this affects their life and their kid's life yeah and um that is humility that mm-hmm. is loving your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. um and uh It's part of the ethos of being a believer, I think. It should be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, Kathy, you've been a pastor's wife for nearly 40 years, and that's hard to believe. Your crown awaits you. (laughs) (laughs) What do you know about this role now that you didn't see when you started?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, I learned this really prior to Rick's death, in a way of really how much influence I had over my husband, Mm. and I didn't know because your husbands don't sit around and tell you you're influencing them. But you know, I was not short of opinions as a young woman. Let me just tell you (laughs) that, and I realize now that unconsciously, you know, things I said at the house, my perspective on things really did influence Rick, but he didn't run around and tell me that all day. Mm -hmm. This happened about three or four years before he died there at Riverside. He had preached a sermon series on creation. Mm -hmm. And um, of course we know the secular nature of that city and how tricky biblical creation can be. And so One of the men at church who went to our church, one of the godliest guys, he was a rocket science, had a degree in physics from University of Colorado, said to me at that Sunday morning, like, man, Rick got the science right. He got the Bible right. And he just really affirmed Rick about this message. So that night laying in bed, I told Rick what this man had said. And Rick rolled over and said to me, and he was kind of a quiet guy, wasn't prone to drama or anything. And he just said, there's only one person's opinion about my preaching that matters to me. And it was me, but I didn't really know it. I thought most respected man at church with a degree in physics. And I just, I would tell pastor's wife that unconsciously we're leaving a lot of influence on our husbands. And, and, and I don't think I stewarded that well as a younger woman, Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. my thoughts and stuff. Really did matter to Rick. Mm-hmm. Uh it even shaped his perspective. My thoughts about people our circumstances. And so I I I have this whole talk for young pastor's wife about your sacred influence. And the thing that makes our influence so sacred is because we're working in the gospel world. We're not yeah. working in the business industry. We are working in the gospel world where we have our influence really affects for eternity. And so I think I wish I'd seen sooner the power of my influence uh, and even to the congregation, frankly. Um, uh, I think we have more influence than we know, even our congregation, even if no one ever tells us mm-hmm. we're influencing them. Yeah. But when we show up, like, you know, to show up at events, something small, that I take pretty much for granted. I work in our student area here and being in that student ministry, I recognize my presence means a lot to those people. It doesn't mean it's very insignificant to me, Yeah. but part of that. And so I would just urge all pastors, I recognize that influence is a part of what you have at home, at church and in the community. And we need to steward that really well.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's excellent. And I think a lot of times wives don't really uh, recognize the impact that they do have and the influence yeah. that they have, and, you know, n- need to really understand um, that the Lord has placed them there mm-hmm. uh, to be a help, you know, and, uh, with their words, with their actions, with things that they don't even realize that their husbands are watching you know, uh, that the Lord has placed them there for that. And so I think that's very important. Um, some of our listeners may be trying to place your last name. Um, you and your husband have recently been thrust into uh, public leadership as your husband, Ed, is now the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, can you share any any newfound insights concerning Receiving constant scrutiny and, and 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 very public opposition.
1: Yeah. Well, again, social media have has changed this opportunity for scrutiny and critiquing in epic proportion in my lifetime, no doubt. Um, we come from a denomination that has <laughs> has a little bit of history of conflict and uh, on many levels and. My husband was elected as the president in a very close race between um, one conservative group and another conservative group, just to simplify it. And so that with that narrow victory, it caused a lot of critiquing um, Mm -hmm. and. Even going back, people researched all the sermons that Ed preached and watched all the videos and found clips of things along the way. It was very, it wasn't, it was an effort launched intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that created some difficulty and heartache for, for Ed, for our church to be under that kind of scrutiny. And of course, they found some things that were less than stellar. They weren't, uh, and so some things that Ed had to apologize for along the way to our congregation, but um, I won't go into all those details, but I I would say that that scrutiny uh, in that form, and, you know, we're all kind of being watched. And sometimes we're watched and we have some things that come along that we need to own and recognize and be straightforward with that. But there's some things that we get criticized for that we just have to develop some thick skin Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, in a leadership role, the goal is as leaders to have a thick skin, but keep a tender heart. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really hard to do uh, is to not let your heart get hard under criticism and opposition. And I know we're talking to some wives right now that their opposition is coming from their local church, Mm -hmm. not coming from some people on social media that you don't know very well. And that's even more personal. That's yeah. even more personal. And so we have to strive to do right and to be right and maintain ethic and godliness and all those things. But that won't thwart off all criticism. Yeah. yeah. And there will be people that will say things about your husband and my husband that are just not true. And we can't attack everybody out there we have to have a thick skin. We have to let some of that roll off, but we have to keep our heart tender and not be angry and bitter and resentful. And only the spirit can do that in our lives. Only the spirit can do that in our lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there a scripture or passage that's kind of helped you um, um, during this season? Um and I, and I and I'm and I'm sure there are many <laughs> that yeah. that 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 do. But is there anything that you just kind of hang on to that um, has kind of helped you um, walk through well, this? I,
1: I tell you what, we have to cling to Christ. We have to cling to Him. And I, I would say as much as um, um, you know, it's it's <laughs> when it said, "Not I, but Christ." I can't bear this. Only Christ can give me the strength to bear underneath this. And he can shepherd my soul through that. He is, um, You know, he's the lifter of my head. He is the strong tower that I run to. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think even in grief, when I was living in Denver, Colorado, that idea that that God was my strong tower to run into was very, very personal to me when I felt like I had no strength for the role of widow and the role of grief. And same now. Um, I'm just hiding behind the cross
0: yeah, yeah. Um, that is so important. Um, and I think it goes back to the the whole thing about grace, that His grace is sufficient. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is. Um, Kathy, you resonate, I believe, with so many women uh, just because of your life experiences and your transparency. There are women who are listening who are seeking God's grace in various situations. They are um, those who are in visible ministry roles who are trying to navigate through scrutiny and and maybe even public opposition, um, as well as those who are married to pastors and just need soul care and support. As we prepare to close, will you just take a moment and pray for them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Father, I pray for all those listening to this recording right now, that you would be very present in their time of trouble, Lord, that they would feel your spirit and your love and your power and your grace in their life, Father, that that you would walk beside them every step, Lord, and that that they would turn to you as their strong tower. We cannot do this in our own strength, Father. We have to lay down all of our tools, Father, and we need to throw ourselves on your mercy and grace. And Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your power that you give us to overcome the things that we don't have the strength to do on our own that you will give to us, Father. I pray, Father, that you would let these women listening to me uh, find community with other wives, that they can have a sisterhood that understands this unique calling on each other's life, Father, that we can strengthen one another for this journey. And Father, I pray that we put your glory on display, not ourselves, Um, not I, but Christ, that these other people would see Christ in us more than anything. Father, make that real and vibrant in our life. And Lord, help us to represent who you are to the world around us, Lord, with grace and beauty and strength and tender mercies. In your name, I pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, Kathy, it was great having you today. Thank you for being a guest on Tea Time. Uh, And to all of our listeners, I look forward to connecting with you the next time. Be blessed of the Lord.